Welcome to the Conscious Caravan podcast. I'm Jonathan. And my name is Torbjörn. And this is the podcast for all you people out there wanting to live more conscious lives. I'm on intro. You're on the intro, Torbjörn. Okay. So, my ideas for today's uh, podcast is the coldness of love or how to hold space for each other in a relationship and emotional freedom within that <laughs> and emotional freedom <laughs> maybe even how to hold space in a relationship so that the other can have emotional freedom yeah yeah maybe that's like the result of holding space and this coldness that you're talking about which is really interesting i'm actually very excited about this Tobin, because who talks about the coldness in relationships like we just talked off camera it's all about the mm. fire the love the emotion like the, the this burning kind of thing but what about the other side of it what about the side nobody not nobody but not many people talk about we talk about it we talk about it we talk we're going to talk about it we're going to go uh, Who talks about it we talk about it <laughs> we're going to go deep into it and yeah. before we go deep into it today I have, I have this urge or this feeling to perhaps start off this um, uh, podcast with little meditation. Um, so it's my invitation to you listening in uh, to follow us in this um, before we jump into this very exciting topic today. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> now it's like this perfect opportunity to be like if there was an audience uh, i'll be ready <laughs> are you ready yeah. for this tour then maybe yeah, i can ask you oh uh, well, i'm ready you can count really for ready. all the people listening in so yeah okay so uh <clears throat> and i feel there's an importance with this because sometimes you know when we get to this listening to this podcast we get to being in this space, there's so many things that have happened before now. And so mm. sometimes just landing, getting like feeling into where we are, being present to that can be yeah. a, a way of just, yeah. So, yeah. So I just invite you now to find yourself a position that you're just comfortable with. Perhaps you're sitting on a chair or lying down or driving the car, whatever you're doing, listening in right now. And I invite you to close your eyes. If you're driving the car, please don't close your eyes. It's not a good idea at all. <laughs> but if you're not uh, driving car, then just close down your eyes. Notice what it feels like to be in this body, be sitting in this chair. And just roll your shoulders back a little bit so your heart is opened. Perhaps extend your crown of your head to the ceiling or the, the sky. 
Invite you now to bring your awareness to your breath. Just taking a big breath in and out. Just observing your your thoughts and feelings. Bring your awareness to any part of your body that you feel tension. In your stomach, your chest, your shoulders, your head, your eyes. Just observe that part of your body. Just notice what it feels like. Inviting now to bring your awareness to your thoughts. Just notice these thoughts coming and going, staying. It's as if you're observing or seeing clouds in the sky, drifting on, coming and going and staying. Invite you to observe these clouds or thoughts from your awareness. That's from the part of you that is observing. And just notice yourself. Notice who, what that part of you that is observing is. Just notice your mind's wandering, getting caught up in thoughts, having the urge to react. Every time this happens, just bring your mind back to this observing self, looking at the clouds, just watching them come and go and stay. Now invite your awareness to come back into the space you're in now, the room. 
car, wherever you are, just maybe gently rock from side to side or wiggle your shoulders. Just notice where you are. Notice the sound of my voice, the sound of your heart beating. When you're ready, you can gently open your eyes, land in the space we are in now. <laughs> what was that experience like, Toby? It was good. I feel I feel tuned up now, and tuned in, and turned on. Tuned in and turned on. <laughs> it's a it's a nice combination. Yeah. So where do where do we uh, where do we begin this uh, juicy uh, topic today? I don't know if it's juicy, actually, but I'm just putting that out. It's, it's very interesting, um, I think, because I think in a sense that the topic is, it could be about egoic love versus spiritual love. And egoic love is something a lot of us comes into relationships looking for and wanting. And spiritual love is what we actually need to feel that our soul, um, feel the enrichment of our soul. And the ego has a tendency to come in and, and it wants to snatch whatever it can snatch. And it doesn't want anything to get to the soul. So it's kind of this little thing that... <clears throat> It can truly stop love from ever happening between two people. And <clears throat> the reason I talk about the coldness of love as an expression is when the other person, when their ego is active, sometimes the only love we can give is to give them space and not engage with their ego, <clears throat> not fight, not try to explain, not try to do anything, just to give them space to to go through that until they're out of the ego again and they can return to real love or spiritual love. And this can look very cold, especially to the person's ego. Mm. Because the person who is in a pain episode, an ego episode, might be like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you trying to make me feel better? Like, why aren't you blah, 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 all this stuff. But <clears throat> there is actually no way to make a person's ego happy without compromising with your own truth. So when the other person's ego is activated, and if they can't hear that when you tell them, they're going to start making emotional demands of you. They're going to start asking for concessions. They're going to start asking you to do things you don't really mean. They're going to start asking you to change your behavior so that you don't trigger the ego or so that you can somehow or often it's even like asking you to apologize for things you didn't do. 
the other person's ego may have gotten triggered over something that was only a result of their own pain and their own interpretation through their pain. And so it wants you to make up for the thing you didn't do. It wants an apology for the thing, for the thing you didn't do. And a lot of relationships, and of course, sometimes it's easy to, to just apologize, but a lot of relationships have one partner or both partner start apologizing for things they didn't do because it's easier. But the problem is, if your partner's ego knows that it can get whatever it wants just by throwing a tantrum, do you think it's going to stop throwing tantrums? Right. So keep doing that, right? <clears throat> exactly. So it's kind of like it's the same if you have a child. The coldness of love means that there are things in your child you shouldn't feed. There are things in your partner you shouldn't feed. And sometimes your partner can be on an ego trip for a week and sorry, a day or an hour. And sometimes you're really unlucky if it's a difficult stage. It may take a week. So can you hold space for that? Can you embody the coldness of love, which is to say, I love you, but I don't love your ego. And I'm going to say no to your emotional demands. I'm here when you're ready to come back to love. I'm here when you're ready to be vulnerable. You're not making demands. You're vulnerably coming to me and you're saying, I feel insecure. I feel like I'm not good enough or whatever it is. But you're not trying to use threats, commands, manipulation, or tricks to get what you want. You come vulnerably without your ego and say, this is what's in me. Can you help me give space for this? You don't come out swinging with accusations and blaming and all this stuff. You come vulnerably. So the coldness of love is much more important to understand and to master than the warmth of love because everyone knows how to deal with being loved in most cases. Everyone knows how to deal when things are good. But two people are sort of, and I have my hands up in the air for the listeners, two people are sort of on an equal level. And when the ego takes one person, it drags them down. And then the other person will either get dragged down with them and get going to their ego, or they can stay sovereign in their own self, in their own Buddha mind, and they can hold space for the other person. And this is very difficult because to the person in the ego trip, that can look like neglect. To other, to their friends, it can look like neglect. Like, oh, your partner just ignores you when you like when you go go on a huge spiral. Sometimes there's nothing else you can do. Because the ego is not something you can negotiate with. That's not. There are no successful negotiations with a madman, unfortunately. So the coldness of love is sometimes real love is saying no to what a person wants and saying yes to what they need. And they'll thank you when they come out of it. But in the moment, their ego may be very vicious and it may react very strongly. So can you hold space for that? And that's what makes a relationship grow over the years and gets better. That's what reduces the, the pain periods. That's what heightens your spirituality. That's what moves you towards enlightenment. You don't have to do it all the time. We all make little concessions, but the ego is a black hole. It is a wound. It is a, it is a, it's a defense mechanism. Whatever you give it, whatever love you give it, whatever you do for it, whatever you try to do to placate it will be swallowed up by the infinite wound that it has and it won't make a dent. It won't heal anything. It won't make anything better. The ego can have the same pattern of trying to get approval, trying to get attention, trying to get reassurance. It can have worked 
in your partner for 40 years or 50 years or 60 years. And it was never healed by anyone just doing what it wanted to do. That's why it's still in them. Powerful, Toa man. Very powerful. And to make it even more complicated, this is often used either intentionally or unintentionally by people who are neglecting their partner because they can just see, say, oh yeah, it's your ego or whatever. So if someone does this, if you intend to do this with your partner, make sure you're coming from a good place. Hmm. Be truthful to yourself. Make sure you're not punishing them. Make sure it's not pain. And for your partner, if, you're, if your partner keeps doing this to you and you feel even when you're out of your ego period that something about it just doesn't feel right, feels painful, then you need to have that conversation with them or you need to to consider whether your partner is not in fact holding space for you, not in fact showing you the coldness of love, but maybe the coldness of disinterest or manipulation. So it, it is it is it is hard to distinguish. And that that's what I was gonna say, what comes to me a lot with what you're saying, maybe to before we over over get into the complexity of it, is to actually simplify it a little bit for people listening. Um, and myself <laughs> included yeah. is like well, that's that's what you're good at practical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> how like so? How how do you see the, the difference in in your relationship or in people's relationship in general? How do you see or identify this is the egoic mind, this is the spiritual loving mind, or self because to, well, a... to, to, cat, to, to to be able to catch it like it's i think it's quite important this sort of like if you're going to work with this stuff you need to know like what you what you're looking for it's like going for a um oh, yeah. a treasure hunt but you don't know what the treasure is but maybe that's not the ego is not the treasure not per se but like you need to know what you're looking for um because it's so masked like the ego is is so much in everything that it's it doesn't want to be seen right mm. if it's seen it doesn't win so yeah so to when how do you see how do you identify notice this egoic so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell the secret that your ego does not want you to know <clears throat> this is a big secret can we pause for just a minute to submit build the suspense or <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> no matter how good your reasons are, no matter who agrees with you or what research or what experience or no matter what it is, even if 8 billion people on the planet were to agree with you, if you feel something has to be solved or changed or fixed right now, and it can't wait. It can't wait a few breaths. Can't wait a few minutes. Can't wait a few days or whatever. It has to happen now. Something has to be fixed right now. <clears throat> That's your ego. 
So whenever you think your partner needs to change something right now so that you can be happy, that's your ego. And to put it in like an example per se, what's something like you would use as like an example in a relationship to fix? Maybe you can use an emotion per se, like. Well, if you find yourself, if you find yourself needing your partner to do something, if you find yourself thinking, how do I get my partner to do this right now? Because how do I get them to hear me? Hmm. How do I get them to apologize? How do I get them to understand? Whenever you engage in the the task of trying to make someone else's behavior change so that you can get out of your pain, that's the ego. Because you're not going through your pain directly. You're trying to change what triggers the pain instead of being with the pain. Trying to avoid the pain itself. Yeah. Trying to avoid the pain by changing the world or by changing the outside. Your partner. Yeah. Right. Now, does this mean that you that you you can't have problems to talk with about? You can't have things you wish your partner would do different. It doesn't mean that. But if you need your partner to be different, your partner will never change. <laughs> so what will change? The only way you can change, if you can give yourself space to these thoughts, to this emotion, mm. you can say, first, I'm going to regulate myself. I'm going to come to a space where I can look at this problem without feeling an urgency around it. But if you can come to that space, like we just with the meditation, and you can talk to the other person where you're not in a space of, you need to change to do this for me right now, mm. then the other person can listen. And then it's possible they can do something about it. But I'll tell you a great secret. What we resist persists. We both know that. But specifically, what you resist in your partner, you keep alive as a behavior. You're keeping it alive By in their psychology. Yeah. yeah. Because they feel a pressure to change it. And that makes their connection to it stronger. So, and this is going to, this is the... This is going to be the hugest mind-blowing thing for the people who know it, for the people who don't know it, and the people who do know it are just going to nod and laugh. Sometimes the best way to get your partner to do what you want is to address your own pain that makes you need them to change that and to come to a space of peace in yourself. And then what's going to happen in some hours or some days or some weeks or some months is they're going to change on their own without you ever telling them. And sometimes they're going to come back to you and they're going to say, hey, I decided to change this thing about myself. And they won't even remember that you ever talked about it. Mm. They don't even know it's your idea. That, and that's the magic of what you're talking about now. That's the magic of coming from this other place. This other, yeah. what did he call it earlier? Spiritual loving something? Spiritual, spiritual love. Spiritual love, yeah. And in the, in the Tao Te Ching, it says the master does nothing and therefore she leaves nothing, not done. So everything is done by her doing nothing. And that refers to this thing that by giving things space, they sort themselves out. But by trying to sort them out, 
you actually make them worse. And that the ego doesn't like that. The ego wants to, like he said, solve, fix, change the outside and like things so that it can it can feel better. Yeah. Ego is always trying to get away from pain and get towards pleasure. Mm. <clears throat> you know, when you when you said this now of like um It's nothing doing nothing right like I, I couldn't i could not help like be reminded of my own relationship of coming from this place of ego and forcing like pushing my agenda forcing like what i want the other my my wife to to do differently what i can see hurts hurts me so i i want them to change exactly. and it really just fuels that fire it fuels that Absolutely. And, and for me, it did that. And it, it caused, uh, I think, a lot of uh, challenges with with us emotionally. Actually, I think we grew further apart by yeah. by me pushing that agenda, um, coming from the ego, right? And uh, and I think it came to a point I just I stopped doing that. <laughs> I stopped. And sometimes I still do, right? But if for the most part, I, I stopped fighting with with that, and I just kind of like let. I guess it's it's ironic to say like let it be, or let it let go of that thing. And at some point, like you were saying, she like things changed from her her will, not from me like pushing that, but from her seeing maybe the difference in me or something, or maybe not. Maybe just she came to her own realizations. Um, and that's actually, I think, a, a, a super, well, super, but like, that's the thing that I feel made a difference with us getting closer together in that times of when we're being distant or disconnected emotionally. So, for all you listening, vulnerability, <laughs> go into the pain, go in, like, see, like, ref, like, address your own stuff right come to peace with that before well not before anything but like yeah and if you can you know regulate your own nervous system before bringing anything up whenever you can mm. what would you um, recommend for that some of the things that we've done before in previous podcasts or yeah you know meditation going for a walk Snuggling with some blankets. If you have a pet, you know, be around your pet. Make a cup of tea. You know, everyone, when you're trying to calm down, just go towards the things that soothe you. Hmm. And then, you know, just sit down and be like, you know, like self look in your body. Yeah. Allow the things in your body. Look at the emotion. What is What is going on, actually? Look at the phenomenon that's disturbing you. You're overwhelmed by this thing because you don't know what it is. When you start looking at it, it's thoughts, it's emotions, and it's physical sensations, right? Mm. And you're breathing fast. All those sometimes we don't want to have. Right. All the like And that's the key. That's the first key, right? Is resistance. You're yeah. you're resisting what is actually already happening in you. Mm. So you're you're angry at what what is already the reality right now. It, it's already in you, right? You can't 
to be res- to resist what already is is madness, right? But we do that, and we do that, we do. and we do that much more with uh, ne- like what we call negative thoughts or negative emotions, and, and that's a reality that we've created from society. Oh, yeah. You could say because what emotion, what thought is actually uh, negative or bad? If even more like bad, I can't have that. Can't have yeah. anger or shame or um i don't know rage or whatever it is like because it's bad right and they don't exist bad thoughts and bad emotions don't exist there is no such thing but uh, you know ego does Mm. because what is ego ego is ego is division right Say say that again, sorry. It's a little bit slower. Ego is division. Ego Mm -hmm. is when we're split in two. The ego arises in the child the day someone convinces the child, this path, this part of you is okay. This part is not okay. That is the day the ego arises. Until then, the day is the child is one and everything just flows. Mm -hmm. And it screams when it wants to scream. It cries when it wants to cry. It it dances when it wants to dance. But the day self-consciousness arises, Something in it says, this is good and this is not good. And boom, the child is no longer a child. Now it has an ego. And now there's a division. Now it cannot be total anymore. It's not whole. It's partial. That's the ego. Love that we're talking about this. This is so important. It is. And it's also, it's it's this that what we're talking about is leading towards emotional freedom. I, I believe at least. Indeed. To be, to be emotionally free is to be also free from, from the ego. And maybe you would never be free. Well, I don't know if you would never be free from the ego. Maybe the ego will always be there, but your freedom comes from how you interact with it, how you see it or not see it, how, how you, are uh, uh, with that part of yourself and and come into this other part of you this kind of this i guess from your from your heart right this uh feeling part of you that's vulnerable and they can just be with what is be with the feelings that come up however uncomfortable they are to sit with them not judging not wanting them to go away not wanting them to whatever just being willing to be here with what is and open to that that's being that's being one, isn't it? If everything arises without judgment, then you're just one person. So, say it again a little bit slower. If every if everything arises in you without you judging, then you're just one person. Can you say that one more time, just because just to like kind of. <laughs> so, no. If your if your thoughts come up and your emotions come up and your sensations come up. Mm. And there isn't a separate self inside saying good, bad, mm. like, don't like. The divide. And it's all, that's the division. Yeah. If you don't have that judgment, then everything is one. It's all one person, all one flow. Mm. One flow. I love that. Then you're one again. Then you're like a child again. And that's why Jesus says you must become like little children again. He is referring to when the mind is one. And that's what they talk about in, in Zen. They always say you're not two. You know, 
your one, not two. Is that what they also talk about, like, like dual, like the the dual dualism in becoming like mixing that into one kind of yeah yeah yeah. And what does one being at one have to do with um, relationships? We could say. How does that affect the relationship? How does that, you know? Well, if you can allow yourself to be one and you can allow each other to be one, then you can both look at each other from the soul perspective while emotions or thoughts are expressed freely, when no one takes it seriously and no one needs to engage with it. It's just allowed to flow, but then you're connected on the soul level, the spiritual level of love. And what does that mean? Is it some like far out? No, it just means you can feel each other. Mm. You can feel each other's presence. You're you're intimate in the you're intimate in a in a space kind of way. And we all it's a little hard to explain, but we all know that feeling, right? Yeah, that's the feeling you and I have together. <laughs> it was funny because I was gonna use like a reference of like <laughs> when you know that feeling of when you're like have just had sex or something and you're lying in the bed <laughs> and there's not really much thoughts or there's this euphoric feeling of just being so connected, so one with that person. And then you just said, like, that's how you and I was like, yeah. And you can have that space whenever you want. It's <clears throat> And the fastest way to get there is can you reorient yourself from when your ego rises? Can you reorient yourself from your defense mechanisms in which you become defensive or distant or you start attacking? So this is how, let, let's take a practical example. And thanks for always reminding me to be practical. Let's say your partner says something and you think, oh, that person doesn't like me. My partner doesn't like me. That's, that's not what they said. That's the interesting thing, right? Mm -hmm. There's never what they say that you react to. And you get that feeling in your chest and the mood suddenly sours and you feel kind of off and you can't really join the conversation anymore. You're, you're, you're off track now. In your thoughts. Now, do you go to your defense mechanism, which is, oh, I believe this thought, so I have to attack, I have to defend, or I have to get out of here. Maybe I have to apologize and please or whatever. Or do you just say to your partner, right this moment, this emotion arose in me with this thought and I'm feeling vulnerable about that right now. And I'm worried if this is true. So this thought tells me that when you said that, that's because you don't like me or my body or my weight or my jokes or whatever it is. You can just ask your partner and your partner will say, if it's a good partner, will say, well, of course, no, I don't feel that way at all. And then boom, what could have been an hour fight, a day's fight, a week's fight, a month's fight is solved in two minutes. And all it requires is that you were vulnerable and you just exposed what your ego was doing. You just exposed what was going on inside you. And every time you do this, you, you, you do not understand how much you avoid. You do not understand the fights you avoid just by being coming vulnerably. Because what a lot of people do is they hide behind their ego. They start attacking, but they expect the other person to meet them with love when they're insecure and attacking. So the person, and this sounds insane, but the one person will be to the other person will be like, 
oh, you know, you never loved me. You never blah, blah, blah. You never, they start accusing like that. And what's inside them is this little child that want love and want reassurance. But what they're showing the other partner is this aggressive defensive mechanism, which is attacking them. And what they really want is the other partner to just love them and tell them it's going to be okay. But very few people want to love someone who's throwing shit in their face. I mean, very few people can do that. And, and even if they can, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't res- expect your partner to do that. You should take the accountability and the resp- responsibility and say, I want to work towards a self-awareness when I can choose when my, my dysfunctional defense mechanism comes up. I will choose to be vulnerable instead. I will dismantle them here and there. Can I can? And if you can do that, then they will eventually the wound will be exposed, which the mechanism has arisen from, arisen from, and the wound will be processed and healed. And then you will not have that particular trigger anymore forever. And you'll just be, you know, more emotionally free and happier in the relationship. Hmm. Emotional freedom keeps coming back. <laughs> I love that, Tobin. Thank you for sharing that. That was a that was a was a good practical. Can I just add something with that? Um, because like what I what I heard in that was like very much about one one person, more or less, not the whole thing. And what I'd like to add to that is just that you know when you're in a relationship, there's two, right? And so there's always there's there's yes, there's the person who's uh, um, reacting or like uh, all the things that you've talked about now, right? But there's, there's, and there's also the other person who notices this is happening, who sees like my partner is, uh, she just, she or he will just stop, stop talking to me or she seems very distant all of a sudden, like what's going on there. And then there's, and then there's things come up in, in me maybe that I feel, like I've done something wrong, whatever it is. So it kind of like fuels each other and a way for that partner to hold space for the other person and to give give space for them to kind of start opening up. Maybe this is a side of the cold, uh, the cold part of love, you could you could say. Is is also just to say to to the partner, like for an example of this is like saying, like, I, I feel that something is like I, I feel a certain way in my in myself and I feel like you're you're distant or you're there's something in, in me feeling like I don't know, I feel un- uneasy about this or whatever it is. And it's like, you know, can can you is is that is there something going on between us or would you be willing to share what your th- what your thoughts are, or what what is happening right now in, in you? And and maybe even just you know, you can say it in your own words or whatever it is, but really it's about holding space for the other person, noticing, okay, there's something going in on with them. And maybe it's not, not about you at all. Maybe it is. I don't know. And so holding space is by also leaning into what it is, not avoiding it or like running away from it, but just like going straight into that in, in a loving, in a vulnerable, in a caring way. Um, and that's, and that's fucking hard for the ego to do that because you're going into the you're 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 essentially leaning into what you you might get attacked with so it's like saying hey i'm here I'm ready for you to shoot me kind of thing and 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 it's and so it's a bit of a death that's so key it, that's so key it's, it's i think it's well 
yeah, I, I believe it's key as well, right? And uh, that's what I would like to add to the um, and and that is this really hard thing to do. That right? It's it's a hard thing to lean into, not knowing what might happen, not knowing how the it's other person is going to react. It's a death, and at the yeah. same time. It's those moments of leaning in, those moments of opening our heart up for the other person that this vulnerability, this space, this coldness turns into freedom or warmth or connection with your partner, with your the one you, you love, right? And instead of going further apart and being more disconnected emotionally or physically and everything, that you actually lean into coming closer together and understanding each other's trauma triggers things that are like uh, upsetting them that maybe you're completely unaware about but that space giving that space and giving that kind of vulnerability also then invokes those things and then you understand each other and you understand that and and like you said it instead of it being a trigger that keeps continuing in your relationship you're able to give space for that notice it's there and and give it like love and, and give the person love and in doing that, freeing up you and your your partner to be emotionally um, close again, connected. Exactly. Returning to love through vulnerability and clearing out the pain. Mm. <clears throat> That's so... <laughs> and if you have that fight because you chose to be defensive, and I say chose loosely because you were tricked by your mind um, and you didn't have the presence power to stand against it. You have that fight, then getting back to love is more difficult because now you both you're both you both have new pain and you both experienced who should have been your friend being your enemy. And now you you have to be in a very delicate emotional space where you're hurt but you want to be vulnerable. You gotta release your frustrations. You're gonna have to talk about that and not re-trigger the whole thing. And so the truth is like it's just easier if you avoid the fights. Like it's true that healthy couples fight because sometimes um, some some couples try not to fight and that's not good. You have to be willing to fight because that's part of two people being true to love by being true to themselves. Can I, but it's can just, I reframe that maybe a little bit? Like maybe fighting, maybe it is fighting and, and maybe mm. it's also being honest, being truthfully mm brutally honest with yourself and the other person yeah and that might seem like it's a fight because of the 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 truth in it the honesty in it the transparency in that and vulnerability and at the same time it's it's you you sharing like your your yourself your feelings everything inside your heart and so yeah i just want to rephrase like maybe yeah, the, the ego sees consideration and lying as love. The ego wants its partner to um, sorry uh... to assist you in your delusions and to protect you from your wounds. So it wants someone to lie to it. But spiritual love, your soul wants someone to speak the truth to you, to talk to you as if you are someone who can stand the truth and to be become free of your delusions and free of your wounds and to be talked to like an adult the ego wants you to be talked to like a child 
that has to be protected from the truth. Spiritual love is about speaking the truth to each other. And so, and that's something I've seen in my relationship is when I'm, you know, with my partner, she's new to this spiritual thing. So her ego is trying to adjust to the fact that a lot of the things I do are very painful to the ego, but they're very good for the soul. So she's navigating that transition. Do I want egoic love? Do I want soul love? Because they're totally different things. And the ego is hurt by truth and the soul is hurt by lies. So. So you get to work with in your relationship, you Tobin and everyone listening, myself as well, all of us, right? Which do we choose to be more important? Which do we choose to put energy into? And. Yeah. The truth is bitter right now, but it brings great freedom and love and peace. The the lie is sweet right now, but it brings years and years of pain and destruction. And the true mark of a spiritual person and the true mark of the spiritual path is when you start to prefer the bitterness of the truth right now to the pain of the illusion down the years. Because the lies destroy people's lives. It destroys them. And if you're in a transition phase, it may be difficult now to deal with these truths when you're, when you're used to love being someone lying to you and being considerate of you and not hurting your feelings. Mm. Maybe difficult. But every lie you accept, you pay for in such a great way that if you knew fully what you were saying yes to, you would not say yes to that. Mm. You would not make that bargain. It's a devil's bargain every time. And, it's, and, it, and maybe it's also like to kind of notice the the, cha- the 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 difficulty in that for a lot of us, right? To be honest, to be truthful, to not like try and avoid the the pain or the by maybe lying in that moment but feeling good temporarily right because you you got you got out of it you got out of yeah being truthful and and the, the, i think got out of the growth yeah out of the growth right and the truth the truthful part that's challenging for couples myself included right is is that you are you are kind of going into talking about the other person and how and how like Yes, how you are feeling emotionally, but also how how that other person is affecting you, and and that that can trigger all kinds of shit, right? And so it's it's like kind of it makes sense in a way from a logical point of view for the ego not to want that, not to want to be. I just want it all to be good all the time, to be smooth, everything. But we all know that feeling of when you're in a relationship. And you can tell the other person, you can sense how the person is going, is, is, is not being truthful, is tiptoeing around, not saying what it is that's really going on they, because they, whatever reason it's in their, in their mind or whatever. And then you finally get the answer. You finally get this like the truth, the honest, the honesty. And what a relief it is, right? 
for the for the relation for yourself for everyone included did you actually hear what it is that is 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 troubling that person and you know they're telling the truth because it it feels different in you and you straight away feel most of the time can more connected to that person because it's coming from a different place a spiritual place a soul place whatever you want to call it it's a different feeling and energy altogether and that is what I, I believe, is very crucial in relationships um, to come closer together emotionally, spiritually, in a loving way, and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And I want to I want to say an important point about that because I think this is where a lot of people go wrong, and what I have misunderstood as well. <clears throat> If you want a relationship in which you can come together and be one, like we all enjoy, which is like this intimate space, doesn't even have to be sexually, but we just were like one person, right? What is the most important thing to have a relationship where you can get that intimacy, that spiritual love, that oneness, where you're just like, I'm in space together. I feel you, you feel me. We, we know each other. It's like we, we're the same person. We love each other. What's the most important thing for that? most important thing is that you can be on your own without the relationship. It means that you're not going to live or die based on how your relationship is going. Your ability to be alone and happy and not care that much about the state of your relationship, that gives you your ability to be in an intimate space with the other person. It is your own ability to be on your own that allows you to actually be with other people in a healthy way. And there is no exception to this. And this is something that the ego does not like to hear. But the best way to be intimate with other people is to be able to be intimate with yourself. Because if you need this relationship to work and be good all the time, then you cannot do what is needed for your partner and for yourself during times when the relationship is in a chaotic state. Because in those situations, you are needed to regulate yourself, find your own space and peace, and see what can be done or cannot be done. And oftentimes there's not necessarily nothing you can do except wait. But if you feel come hell or high water, this relationship has to be good all the time. We have to be okay all the time. Then the times where your partner cannot be reached and they will happen. You're going to make everything way worse. You're going to extend the period that your partner cannot be reached by pressuring them while they cannot be reached. There are episodes of pain and ego that cannot be avoided. Some of them are even part of the ego being dismantled. Ego has something called like death throes or death screams or death rattle. So when a person is expanding to a higher level of consciousness, usually that's preceded by a very difficult pain period. So even when a person is growing in presence and consciousness, Becoming unreachable for periods and diving into that pain is actually a natural process. So your relationship is never going to be in order all the time. This will not happen. But if you want to make sure that the disorder lasts as short as possible, the best thing you can do is be a person on your own. The best people who can love each other the most are people who can be individuals on their own, who cultivate individuality and independence. And I don't mean that in a um, fear of connecting, but just be in yourself, be happy in yourself, have your own life. If you become swallowed up by the other person, 
then the love relationship will unbalance you. And then the intimacy that you want, the oneness that you want, is going to disappear. But if you cultivate yourself and your own life, your own person, you're going to have more and more space to be in that oneness. And over the years, you will, you will have more and more of that oneness. It will be more and more prevalent. So it sounds like contradictions, but the people who have the best relationships together are the people who are the best at being on their own were the best at loving themselves, taking care of themselves, looking out for their own needs. So the best people in relationships are the people who are most able to not be in relationships. And the people who are best for the other partner is people who, are, who know how to take care of their own needs first, who put their needs before the partners, with exceptions, of course. Hmm. There are, of course, exceptions. But if, you're, if you don't have anything in your cup, you cannot give anything to your partner. And if you, if you sacrifice yourself for your partner all the time and you think that makes you a good person, wait till you see through that pattern. You're doing it because you want something in return. Maybe you want security. Maybe you say, I'm going to make you need me and then you won't leave me. Or maybe you're saying, I'm going to do things I don't want for you. So you're going to do things that you don't want for me. And often we don't know that we're doing this. So we have this contract going, except... The other person never signed this contract. They may not even know what's going on. And this is ex- especially women do this a lot, but also men who are, who are very sensitive and so on. We do things for other people, not knowing that it's a devil's bargain and we're expecting it back. And the interesting thing is when we don't get it back, this thing that they don't know that they're supposed to give back because we gave them this thing that they never asked for in the first place. When we do that and it doesn't come back, we get angry at them and we don't even know why. And the whole fucking problem is something we made we created the problem to fix. <laughs> we made the whole problem. The whole, the whole thing. <clears throat> so I'm sorry for all these people out there who are still at the ego level where they just want to disappear away in some other person, have them cure them and fix their life and all this stuff. But this is pain. It's, it has nothing to do with love. Love is to be able to be on your own. Like you said, when you are able to come from that place, when you are able to fill your own cup with love or with whatever you, like with life energy as well, then you have so much more to give to the relationship, to the love to the other person, to the connection emotionally, spiritually, everything. You have so much more to put into, not put into, but to, yeah, to give to that other person. And they will experience a different you as well. So yes, you know, in a way it's like this conversation about ego maybe it's painful and maybe people don't understand it yet or don't like it because it it hurt it's it it hurts ego, right? It's like but and just on the other side of that, like it's an invitation to to um see something maybe you haven't seen before in yourself to realize something that you maybe haven't realized before in your relationship and just to open up to the possibility of that real change can happen through one's own self-discovery, self-love, vulnerability, and that is what can really bring us closer emotionally and free, emotionally free us in the relationship. Emotional freedom. Emotional freedom. <laughs> and also just like, 
I think the love, right? The love we have for the relationship for ourselves, for our partner is so much deeper when we come from this place. It's so much deeper when we are spiritually uh, full and in, in, with life in the relationship. Yeah, the, the, the term egoic love is only a, it's only a linguistic term. The ego cannot love in any way. This whole so conversation be, is linguistic, right? Yeah. Like if you took, <clears throat> if you took it literal, like it, it wouldn't do much. So it's more important that you, that you just take everything, what we say is a grain of salt and experience this energy of, yeah. of whatever energy is flowing as you listen to this that's that's where the heart of this is and that's the truth the word like I, the words yes they words they guide us but they guide us inside to to experience different energies so yeah and Eckhart Tolle once said that you don't need to be two people to have a spiritual relationship. And I know you would, you would say, well, you know, you can be two and, and it's great when you can, but for the people who, where the other person doesn't understand, you don't need the other person to cooperate with you necessarily. You really can do a lot of these things yourself. And if your person is able to follow, if your partner is able to follow, they will follow you based on your energy. You don't need to tell them or explain them to them or whatever. If your energy keeps going up and you're not, and you don't get dragged into fights that pull your energy down, if you can just hold space for them when they want to fight or whatever, then you're going to pull them up with you. They cannot resist. So and if you do spiritual work in a relationship, I was gonna say, they will either follow or they will run away. But either, they must do either. And I can vouch for Eckhart Tolle's <laughs> perspective on... Um, spiritual a relationship can be there if one person is spiritual and the other person is mm. not so spiritual <laughs> because energy <clears throat> energy will affect you and if you're intimate with the person um they you share energies and you can uplift someone very quickly and if you if you find a partner who is at a lower consciousness level than you are or the other way around the energy is going to try to take the other person up and the way the person is going to try to defend themselves against that they don't do this intentionally but the ego is going to get activated and then you're going to be tested as the more conscious person then the question is are you enlightened enough for this because if you're not enlightened enough then their ego is going to succeed in pulling your vibration down by getting you to engage in it and and that can be a good thing too because that can teach you to sustain your vibration, even when the when an ego tries to bait you, as you but sometimes you'll find you can't do it. As you said, but if you can, if you can, if you can see this pattern, then you will vibrate that mechanism out of your partner, or your partner will escape from you if they do not feel they're ready to come to the next level of consciousness. And as you've said so eloquently before, Torben. The relationships are the best and highest spiritual oh, yeah. path. So oh, yeah. 
that that is that is what the note we we end this uh um recording with today this podcast yeah there is nothing higher thank you for being in this Tobin, and thank you for everyone listening in for being here to the end to giving space for this to be here to allowing yourself to go into what we've talked about today can i finish this with a little story one of my favorite stories of course so this was in the in the before times so a village had for a long time they'd experienced that there wasn't any water and the fields were trying to dry up and they were missing water for all the things they used water for and it was starting to become a crisis and so they called for a for the local rainmaker in the region and the rainmaker he arrived after a few weeks and they asked him okay so rainmaker what do you what do you need what do you need to do what can we do for you so you can make this rain so that we can our fields can grow again and we can have food and all this stuff and the rainmaker said well just i need a house i need food and water for three days and then i just need you to leave me alone i need i need you to make sure no one comes and disrupts me and so he said well that's easy we can do that and so they set that up and for three days the rainmaker was in this little house this little hut and on the evening of the third day he came out and it started to rain and the village got all the rain they were happy they were celebrating and the fields were once again growing and their crops were saved and all this stuff so they hold this little party for the rainmaker the day after and he's about to take his leave and all this stuff and the leader of the village he asked the rainmaker before he goes he says what what exactly did you do in there how did you how did you make it rain what on earth uh, what on earth did you do and the rainmaker said the only thing i did was i just took my time to get myself in order without any disturbances i just took my time to make sure that my own self was in order because if i'm in order then the whole world is going to fall into place so in relationships, if you can just make sure you are in order, everything else is going to come on its own. Including the rain of love. <laughs> Including the rain of love and emotional freedom. And emotional freedom. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful story to capture the end of this uh, <clears throat> beautiful conversation. Thank you again, Torben being here thank you jonathan and for everyone listening <laughs> we hope you are we hope you saw something new or realized something new that kind of you can bring into your life and until next time we'll see you on the trail see you on the trail You've been listening to The Conscious Caravan with Jonathan and Torben. And if you 
are looking for help to live a more conscious life, you can reach out to one of us for a free therapy session where we can help you get from where you are now to where you want to be.